0: all right so if you guys have your bible you can open it up to the book of acts we're continuing our verse-by-verse study through the book of acts i encourage you to come on out with us on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays as we just go through the whole Bible and we're very very excited This is a very awesome section of scripture I will be picking up in verse 29 and we will cover the first 28 verses on Sunday morning with Pastor Brad A story that we're familiar with uh, Cornelius and the vision very very important pivotal point in the book of Acts as the gospel is extended through the Gentiles miraculously and it's exciting so make sure we cover that on uh, come on out on Sunday morning to get the first part. But we will pick up in verse 29, Acts chapter 10, verse 29. And let's go ahead and read that. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason have you sent me? And Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore, send to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, We are all here, present before God, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And so very exciting stuff happened in the first 28 verses. Um, This man, Cornelius, we'll find out a little bit more about him. But he was uh, a man of great faith. He was a devout man. He did very, very good things in the community. And he was praying, and God gave him this instruction to call for Peter and so peter came and right before we picked up here peter when he got to his house he let him know this is not even appropriate for me being a jewish man even to enter into this house he said but god has sent me and so that's why he starts off here in verse 29 by saying that's why i even came without raising objection he knew that this is what god had called him to do so he had no problem with it. that's the attitude that we need to have in our lives because there's going to be difficult things things that we don't understand things that we might not necessarily like things that might not necessarily be culturally acceptable but if god calls us to do it we just are obedient to it and so, like I said, this is a groundbreaking uh, part in the book of Acts when the gospel is fully extended to the Gentiles. Up until this point in the scripture, we haven't seen it. And this whole chain of events that happened that led us, as we'll cover here tonight, was brought about by Peter being flexible and obedient to the Holy Spirit leading him to this point. It started with this amazing vision rise kill and eat with the sheet with the animals and then after that vision god was preparing his heart for the visitors who were going to come on behalf of cornelius to go and to be with him but god was preparing him and setting this up way in advance but he was walking in the spirit and he was being led by the spirit and so god was able to do these miraculous things that we saw here today and as we saw in verse 27 he entered. Look at verse 27 it says, "And he talked with him and he entered and found many people assembled." He entered into this house. Peter being this devout Jewish man entered Cornelius's house. But it wasn't just Cornelius that was there. As we found out later, it was filled with guests. And so he asks in verse 29, "For what reason have you brought me?" Now, The fact that he entered this house was an absolute huge milestone for Peter, as you could imagine. Being a Jew, entering into this Gentile house, it would have made him unclean. It would have been all sorts of problems for him. But God was working and preparing him for this moment. And it started back what we covered last week at the end of verse nine, where it says he was staying with uh, the tanner. Now remember, tanners, they worked with dead animals. And so Peter was already doing a, God was already doing a work in Peter's heart, breaking down the walls of religion and tradition and all these things and building them up in love. So he was able to walk in. And so he asks, what have you called me for, Cornelius? Why am I here? And Cornelius begins to describe the amazing vision that God had given to him as he was praying, as he was seeking the Lord. God showed up, sent an angel to Uh, minister to him and it says that experience he begins to clear it up here in verse 30 where he says that for four days prior i was praying he begins to give the whole background this is what happened i was praying i was seeking the lord and it was four days prior to this now interesting if in the new king james version in verse 30 it says four days to this hour i was fasting and praying and so cornelius had been fasting and praying it wasn't just prayer wasn't just him seeking the Lord it was fasting he was denying the flesh laying aside those things that the body says it wants it desires it yearns and it longs for he's gonna put that up so he can focus on the Lord this was something that he was seriously praying for and seeking the Lord on his behalf and in this we see we're, we're reminded of the power in fasting this is a powerful, powerful weapon that God has given us to break down strongholds, to break down walls, a weapon of warfare that we need to use often in our lives. And we will see the power of it. Um, they were, the apostles, they were trying to cast out a demon. And Jesus said, Oh, some of those only come out with prayer and fasting. And so fasting is a, is a big gun. It's a big weapon that God has given to us for our own personal life, our own personal walk, to lay aside and to really connect and to get closer and to see the power. And so God responded to him. And we see that. We're reminded of the power of fasting and prayer. It's a powerful tool for us for us to use in our lives and so please think about that if that's not a normal part of your life but also we're reminded where to go to where to go where to go He says he was praying and he was seeking the lord when we need direction cornelius needed something and so he said i'm praying and fasting another important thing for us so often when we need something whether it's advice whether it's counsel whatever it may be at times it's easier to go to people to go to friends to ask for their advice and i'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing well depending on some of your friends but you know but it's not necessarily a wrong thing we should do that but we need to go to the lord he's our wise counselor when we need direction and that's where cornelius was and so we went to the lord praying and fasting and that's such a, a note for us and so as we'll learn on sunday cornelius was a good man He was a devout man, and he did a lot of good things. It says he did alms. It says that in verse two, but there was still something missing. As good as he was, and as devout as he was, and as many good things that he did in the community, there was something of the utmost important that was missing in his life. He didn't know Jesus. Now, he was a God-fearing man, as we'll see on Sunday morning, but he was not born again. He was still an unbeliever. He probably obeyed the law and tried to do the best he can with the rituals and the feasts and the best that he could do. But he didn't know Jesus. He hadn't been born again. Which makes what the angel told him even more interesting. It says in verse 31, uh, the angel told him, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered now remember this was a man who was good and he was devout but he wasn't born again so he was an unbeliever but as he was seeking god at that moment god sent an angel to him to let him know that your prayers have been heard and your alms have been remembered this is fascinating that god hears, because so often we might think or just automatically assume that God doesn't hear the prayers of unbelievers, but we see here that God hears and he knows from a pure heart. Because at some point we were all unbelievers, and when we called out to the Lord, he heard. And so God responded to this man's prayer. This good man, this devout man, but this man who wasn't saved. And in this where we're just reminded that no matter how good we are, no matter how of how, matter good things that we do, good deeds, good works, how nice we are to people, all those things, none of it matters. Our best works is like filthy rags in the sight of God. We need Jesus. And without Jesus, we're still lost. Cornelius was a man of good reputation, but none of that matters in the sight of God. What have you done with my son? And he wasn't born again. And so after bringing Peter up to speed on on the vision and how the angel appeared to him, he begins to tell him that we are all here. Look at verse 33. We are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. He sent his messengers and they brought back Peter. And it was a house full of Gentiles and they were all ears. They were sitting there, and they couldn't wait to hear that which Peter was going to share with them about God from the Word of God. Talk about an amazing divine appointment that Peter was a part of here. God set this up. He prepared his heart way back with the tanner, began to break down the walls, and then the vision, rise, kill, and eat, what I call clean, you don't call unclean, all these things. was preparing him to be able to walk into a house filled with Gentiles and preach, And not only them preach, but their hearts being open and all ears. Whatever you want to share with us, we are ready. They were ready to receive. Their hearts were ready to receive. And these are the hearts that we need to have whenever we come to church, whenever we open our word for a time of devotion, just getting built up. Lord, my heart, I want it to be able to receive. Pray, speak to me. We We need to pray to have these hearts that are ready to receive. But this divine appointment, this wasn't something that just happened in the book of Acts. This wasn't just something that would happen back then, how God would orchestrate and set things up. No, God wants to do these in our lives when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're abiding with Him, and we're being obedient to Him like Peter was, and we were flexible like Him, like we talked about. Peter was willing to do anything and everything that God had called him to do, even if it got him out of his own routine. He was flexible yielded completely to the holy spirit and when those things happen this happens now i would love to tell you that that's my life every single day and every single minute and it is and so i really love telling you guys that no it's not but i i i was thinking about times like this lord i want these divine appointments these these times where you just move I want to share, you one, uh, share with you one story about a time where I got to see God just move supernaturally like this. So I remember one time, me and my friend, we were going to lunch and we jumped on a 22 freeway. We were going to go to In-N-Out. We were going to go to the house of God and um, off Sil Beach Boulevard. We just wanted the anointing. We wanted some sweet fellowship and we knew we could find it there. And so we we're on our way to In-N-Out and no joke, we pulled into the In-N-Out parking lot. And for whatever reason, we we're like, Hey, man, I'm not filling it out. I said that, and I was scared because I thought I was going to get rebuked. I thought we are going to have fellowship. It's the things of the Lord. But I said, man, let, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm not really filling it either. And so we said, man, look, look, right across the street, let's go to islands. We're like, islands? All right, so we, so we go into islands. And so we're eating in islands. There's nothing wrong with islands, anybody. <laughs> Don't judge, right? There's nothing wrong with it. But it's not in and out. There's levels in the kingdom, right, on earth here. And so we go, into, and we go into islands, and we're just eating, and we're just fellowshipping. And all of a sudden, we were just talking, and a waitress was being really, really nice. And I was like, man, I wonder if she's a Christian. Anybody ever seen that? Somebody who's really nice you them. I wonder if they're a Christian. And we... Full disclosure, she's either Christian or Mormon. We just didn't know which one. She was really, really nice. So we said, you know what? We, I, we just asked her. And so we said, hey, we're just sitting here talking. And we were curious, what do you think happens when you die? And that's all we asked. And she looked at us. No joke, 30 seconds. Now, 30 seconds doesn't seem like a long time, but when somebody's looking at you like this after you ask a question for 30 seconds, that's a long time. And so I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. And she's like, I don't know, but I was just thinking about this last night. That's why he didn't want us to go to in and out So we're here with this lady and she goes, well, what do you think? I can't draw this up. I can't plan this. I would mess everything up. This was God just desiring to meet this woman, to be able to let her hear the gospel. And that's exactly what Peter, he showed up and all these Gentiles are sitting, whatever you want to share with us, we are ready to receive. This woman said, what do you think? i was able to share with her well it's not really what i think this is what god says her life was forever changed that moment and it was just because at first i thought i was in rebellion for not going to in and outs but god was doing something we got to be flexible we got to yield and so these people they're there they're ready to receive the word what a captive audience A captive congregation that Peter had. One of the most captive. He'd already preached in front of uh, terrible situations in Sanhedrin where he was getting persecuted. This was not the case. These were a captive audience ready to receive. Charles Spurgeon was once asked, "Um, what makes a good preacher? And without even thinking, he responded, a great congregation ready to receive. A great congregation ready to receive. When you're ready to receive the word of God, it doesn't necessarily matter what the pastor says. As long as he's teaching from the word, you can get something out of it. And so this was that type of captive audience. he had preached to some tough crowds, and this wasn't one of them. I preached to some tough crowds too. I was a junior high pastor for two years. I must have done something terrible in a past life. But it was, I mean, it was a bad, it was tough. I mean, junior highers I loved them. It was a sweet ministry. You pour your heart out, and you preach, and, you're, and, and, they're, and they're quiet. And you think, man, this is amazing. And afterwards, I'm thinking, man, I'll never forget it. One came up to me. I remember this message. I'll never, ever, ever forget it. I was thinking, man, this is good. This is one of those good ones. This kid came up. I'm not going to tell his name, but he walks up to me, and I'm thinking, oh, man, the Lord reached this kid today. I said, hey, man, what would you think of the message? You had a booger in your nose the whole time. (laughs) 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 That's all he got? That's it? Oh, my goodness. It's a tough, tough, tough crowd. But that wasn't the case here. This was an amazing captive audience ready to receive everything that he had from them. And so we pick up in verse 34. He says, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to and by him. Some of the most pivotal verses, not only in this chapter, not only in this book, but in the whole Bible. God is not a respecter of persons. Anyone and everyone who fears him who walks in righteousness, will be accepted by him. That's the gospel. That's the good news. God doesn't care about your background. He doesn't care about your bank accounts. He cares about nothing, about your race, your skin, nothing. None of that matters to him. And I love it. If we look at verse 34, he starts off, when he opened his mouth, he says, I most certainly understand now. He had just come, Peter, this devout Jew, this man of God, He had just come to realize something that he didn't understand prior to this moment, which is huge and big once we think about it. This was a man single-handedly that had led thousands of people to the Lord. And two messages alone, we see 5,000 people. And he had went from town to town. He just uh, had a revival take place in Joppa. God was using this man in amazing ways, but there was still something he was missing, still something that he didn't understand until now. Very, very important. This shows that up to this point, he firmly believed what the worldview around him, what all the Jewish teaching and all the rabbis had been pouring into him, that favor and blessing was exclusively for God's chosen people, the nation of Israel. This new revelation to him, this wasn't something that he just got right away. But this was mind-boggling and mind-blowing to him that God did not show partiality. Now we think that and understand that today, and we, we understand that yes, that's true, amen. But Peter didn't. This wasn't something that he understand stood right away. Because we know later on in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, the Apostle Paul had to rebuke him and the way that he was still showing partiality. When some of the Jewish um you know people were around when he was hanging around with the Gentiles. When it was just him and the Gentiles, everything was cool. But as soon as the the Jews got around, you know, Peter kind of stood away and like, (laughs) you know, it just got weird. So Paul caught wind of it and rebuked him. So this wasn't something that he understood clearly right away. But what an eye opener for him. This event must have been started with the tanner. And then the vision rise, kill, and eat. He began to understand that that vision of the blanket and the animals, it wasn't just about animals. It was about people. God doesn't show partiality let no man call unclean what i've called clean all this is beginning to to come to him now this translation that god is not um uh, this word that god is not a respecter of persons can also be translated that god is not a discriminator against people that's the truth god is not a discriminator against people and again it's really kind of shocking to to think that peter just figured this out That this was something that he just understood for the first time. How can God discriminate against people when he's a lover of people? He loves all people. It's hard to discriminate against anyone when you love everyone. And that's who God is. He's love. There's no discrimination. There's no partiality with him. And that needs to be the case with us as Christians, being Christ-like. That's the only right thing to do. No partiality with anybody, regardless of money or power or prestige, but it's hard and it's difficult. Because we look at the outside, but God looks at the inside. And if we can pray and ask God to see the way that he sees and to love the way that he loves, we will grow, and that's a deeper understanding, a walk that we can be with him. God, God, doesn't care about race creed status money none of that stuff now this message of God not showing partiality even though Peter just came to realize this and understand that this wasn't something new this wasn't a new revelation that God just dropped on him at this moment Acts chapter 10 right in the middle of scriptures no this was from Genesis to Revelation we see it the first time in Deuteronomy it was in the Pentateuch it was in the law And we see it again in romans and we see it in james it's throughout the scriptures that god was not a respecter of persons and so how did he how did he think that how did he not know that it's because the jewish people at this time they misunderstood and they were misrepresenting god's heart they truly thought that god showed partiality it was bad one commentator wrote that it was common practice in that day as a devout jewish man would wake up and he would pray starting with prayers of thanksgiving one of the things that he would thank god for was that he was not born a gentile this is what a devout jewish man would pray thanking god could you imagine god's heart and hearing that in jewish teachings at this time they were taught no how no way would you ever help a gentile in distress not even a woman in her greatest time of need peter was taught he knew that even by walking and entering which he did in verse 27 this man's house he would be unclean before god that's what he was taught and when we see this and when we read this 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 thinking and prejudice towards gentiles was learned and it was very much very much cultural And so, what was it in his mind that that changed? What was it that brought Cornelius and Peter, two opposite sides of the track, two opposite ways of life, Jew and Gentile, what was it that brought them together in unity? It was the love of God and it was the gospel. That is what broke down all the walls. That's what broke down everything. That's why he was there. It was the love of God. And what did they have in common? The gospel message the good news that everyone who believes will be forgiven. Me and you, we're, we're included in that, everyone. And he came to realize that God shows no partiality. The same God who loves me died for me, saved me, is the same God who loves, died, and desires to save you. That's what brought them together. The gospel and the love of God. this type of attitude in, in thinking that the jews had at this time that god showed partiality that there was a difference that there was class and these types of things it could very easily creep into our minds without our knowing we have to be on guard of this if we're not careful i found myself guilty of this of showing partiality and having a little prejudice in my mind i'll never forget it i was out of the military for a short amount of time and I began to to follow God and to seek after God. But during my time in the military, short amount of time, signed a five year contract. And in a short amount of time in my in my military duty, which I love and served and fought my country, I loved it. This isn't about the military, but this is just how easy if we're not on guard the things can influence our minds. The whole time I was there, we had enemies. And I took a vow to defend our country against enemies both foreign and domestic. And so when I was in, it was a unique time when when there was enemies that were going on. We were fighting. And all I heard from the first day of boot camp to the last day that I got out, these were enemies. And they were bad. And they were this and they were that. And you could a lot of things that I can't share from the pulpit. But that's that's what I heard. And so when I got out for five years, these were bad people These were this these were this these you were this you were this It wasn't so I got out and I realized oh my gosh, how did this get into me? How did this get into me we have to be on guard? Today more than ever I Mean, I wish that this situation between Jew and Gentile the division I wish it was something that we could apply with what's what's going on in the world today I wish there was an, an application that I can go with oh wait there is right? But today, more than ever, with all the division going on in the world, we need to be lights of love and bring forth unity. With all the divide that we're faced with, with people searching answers, searching for answers and seeking, what can bring people together? And people just begin to spin their wheels and come up with ideas and concepts, and most of them are terrible and, and wrong. And it just gets us more divided, and it gets us more split and fractured as a country as a people when we have the answer the only answer that can bring two opposite sides together the only answer that can bring unity the only answer that can bring peace is the love of god and the gospel message that's it that is it we see it here so for us to be the peacemakers that the world needs during this time we need to do two things Search and share. Search our own hearts. Search our own hearts. Is there any partiality in me? And if there is, God, take it away. And do an honest search. I shared with you, I, I, I mean, I didn't know that prejudice and, and, and partiality had came into my own mind. How did it get there? So we got to search our hearts and then share the gospel, share the love of God. That is the only thing that can heal. That is the only thing that can bring forth unity in our world. And so as he shares this, this mind revelation that he had got, he wraps it up by saying in verse 35 that everyone from every nation who fears the Lord and does all right can come to him. They're welcome by him, everyone. Now the word welcome in verse 35, it, it's also translated in some other versions. Uh, New King James, I, I love when it says, this is accepted by him, accepted by him it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you can be accepted by God because that's so important. That's something that we're all looking for, something that we're all desiring to be accepted, to be a part of something. And it starts at a a very early age in school. We want to be accepted. But those things matter nothing as long as we're accepted by God. And the good news that he said that he came to realize is every nation and every man, anyone who comes to him and fears and does what's right can be accepted Verse 36, it goes on and says, The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are all witnesses of these things. He did in both the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. And God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible. Not to all the people, but to the witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and dead. Of him, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him shall uh, receive forgiveness of sins. And so the first thing he says is, it's at this moment right here that I realize that God is not a respecter of persons. And then he begins to, lay out a message to them they were all ears they wanted to hear so he lays out a message a biblically based message message centered around jesus and the gospel message and so we'll highlight a couple of things he started off by saying that god in verse 36 that god sent the word and the word went down and it was preaching peace and reconciliation now in verse 36 when he says that god sent the word we know that that was jesus the word was Jesus. We see that in John. John said, and the word became flesh. And Jesus sent, and what was the message he preached? He came preaching a message of peace. Peace. You see, before the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, there was no peace between man and God. There couldn't be peace between man and God because we were at enmity of him because of sin. And so the message was a message of peace. We can now, through Jesus Christ, we can be at peace with God and we can receive peace from God. We no longer have to fight with God. And that's amazing. That's what, this is something that the world is looking for and lacking and then they will never find in anything else as peace. Something that we have. Something that God sent Jesus preaching, peace. And this is a message that Peter was able to preach firsthand. This wasn't something that he had heard or that he had was taught this he said look i'm an eyewitness firsthand knowledge we are witnesses to this peter was just simply sharing and testifying that things that he had seen and heard that's it seen and heard and that's what witnesses do and that's what we should do as well all of us whether we've walked with the lord for a day or for a while We've all seen and heard, and we can just testify and share witness with those. Sometimes we, um, when we think of evangelism, when we think of sharing and witnessing, we, we make it more than it really is. We have no problem sharing a good movie that we saw. We can, tell, we, can, we can tell everybody all about it. We can recount it all, and this happened, this happened. We're just sharing that which we, we saw, that we know. And then that easy as well. We just share the things that we see and know the things that we have seen and heard. And so God's plan for his apostles, for his followers, for his believers, and for us is to be witnesses, to testify Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And he was also speaking firsthand about the resurrection. He was able to show and prove that the resurrection was real and physical because he was there. He said, we ate with him. We dined with him after after the resurrection. You remember in John chapter 21, after they got back from sea, Jesus was already on the shore preparing fish for them. He said, come and dine. He said the resurrection was real. It wasn't some phantoms, some some ghost. We ate with him. And in verse 42, it says that he ordered us to preach. This was an order, a commandment, the Great commission. In Matthew chapter 28, but also connected in the early part of Acts when he says, you will be my witnesses. So he says, look, there's a a command. There's an order for us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living. So there was an order. There was a command upon his life that he took serious to preach. And that's the same command that we have today. And we need to preach. And when we preach, we need to let people know that God loves them. That God has a plan for them. God has a purpose for their life. That all of us, that we are his poema, his workmanship created for good works before the foundation of the earth. That even though you've been rejected by anyone and everyone in the world, you will be accepted by God. That's great news, amen? But there's also another part of the message we're supposed to preach. It says, at the end of that, we need to share that God has appointed Jesus the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus is a judge. There's a judgment coming. Now, the judgment part of the message is something that it's not not so easy to preach. It's easy to say, hey, man, God loves you. Hey, if you reject God, man, you will be judged. And if you reject him, you will spend eternity separated from him. Nobody likes hearing that rejection of Christ and the decisions and choices that they make and wrong can affect them for eternity. Nobody likes that, but that's part of the message. That's the full gospel. That's the good news, that he saved them from eternal separation from him. And so not only does this show that Jesus will be judged, but it also shows his deity and his power that God has given him complete authority. He's a sovereign Lord over all things, and he will judge. Several scriptures confirm that. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says that all must appear before the judgment of Christ. Everyone will appear. Every knee will bow. And so Jesus will judge all men. That's why it's so important, the decisions that we make. Really, we judge ourselves. Because ultimately, it comes down to what we do with Jesus. Jesus said, if you reject him in John chapter 3, verse 17 18, there's already a judgment that's come upon those who've rejected him. So if we reject him now and we don't receive him, we turn our back on him, we're judging ourselves. And so He wants to deal with that now he doesn't want to do that his heart is that all may come to know him he died so that all can be with him he's patient and long-suffering giving people opportunities to to repent that's who he is he doesn't want to be the judge sending people to eternal damnation and so right after he got done sharing about the judgment he gets into the greatest news of all time in verse 43 everyone and anyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sin if you have your own bible tonight even if you don't it's okay you can use the churches i give you permission to mark it up this is good circle that everyone who believes in him will be forgiven of sin everyone this is good news and it's so easy to understand is i don't even need to expound upon that does anybody have any questions about that anyone who believes in him will be forgiven it's so easy that's the gospel. It's good news. But why at times do, is it complicated? Why at times do we, do, we, do we add to it? Do we make it more difficult than it really is? You believe and you receive. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and you will be saved. That's it. Anything we add to it, it's, it's not right. It's not good news anymore. If I got to do something, I got to believe in him. You don't have to complicate it. It's good news. So be encouraged that tonight, if you believe if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive him as your Lord and Savior you will be forgiven now believe isn't just something I, I believe it's going to change the way that you live because before you believed in him there was no desire you wouldn't be here at church you wouldn't be reading his word you wouldn't be worshiping things change believe means to continue to remain and to abide in and we'll be forgiven of sin This is the only way to escape the judgment is to believing in George, Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of this in verse 43, he brings the gospel message to an end. He wraps up his message, and I want to look and I want to point out some things. I want to point out five things, because at times when we think about sharing the gospel, it's difficult at times. How many of you guys, by a show of hands, complete honesty, have a difficult time sharing the gospel, right? It's hard. And I think one of the main reasons is because we don't necessarily know what to share, like, man, what do I share? I don't want to mess this up. Well, you really, if we look right here, this is a great model. I think there's five points that he highlights that if we just remember these five things and we just look at this and study this, I think we can really make sharing easy. The five points, it's, the first one I want to point out is he shares the birth of Christ. So where I'll start the birth of Christ. And he looks at it in verse 36. He talks about the birth that God sent his son preaching peace into the world. You start with Jesus's birth. And you can just expound off that. And then in verse 38, how do you expound off that? You talk about his life. So the first thing is birth. The second thing is his life. Verse 38 talks about his life. How God anointed him to heal and to set people free from the enemy. So the first thing we share about is his birth. Then we talk about the life of Jesus. And then in verse 39, it gets into the crucifixion. We talk about his death. The death. And we can't talk about the death without verse 40, The resurrection. And then in verse 43 the invitation that's it if you just if you just use those little bullet points birth life death resurrection and invitation we can just kind of frame it it's we just put some meat with the potatoes some skin on the bones and it and, and it just goes from there there's no wrong way to do it also notice the consistency in peter's message he was preaching to the gentiles here but this was the same message that he preached to the jews the message didn't change he didn't just flip through his ipad oh my gosh oh I'm preaching to gentiles hold on here real quick hold on let me pull up my gentile message real quick all right here we go there you go no it was the same message it's the good news and it's good for everyone we don't have to change it it's it's good it's the power of god unto salvation god god doesn't need us to change it doesn't need us to do anything the spirit is, is a big boy and it will convict and it will draw doesn't need us in any way shape or form we just deliver verse 44 while peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message all the circumcised believers who came with peter were amazed because the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out upon the gentiles also for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting god then peter answered surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the holy spirit just as we did can he and he ordered them to be baptized in the name of jesus christ then they asked him to stay on for a few days and so he's preaching and the spirit falls and does an amazing work in the midst of these gentiles now for this to happen at some point in their hearts they had believed and received and so they were forgiven of their sins they believed what peter was speaking the message in which he was sharing well how do we know it's evidenced by the holy spirit falling upon them the holy spirit wouldn't have fallen upon them if they hadn't already been born again well they didn't stand up they didn't come forward That's all right, God will deal with that later. No, that's not important, right? Salvation doesn't necessarily take place when we stand up, when we raise our hand, when we we come forward. Salvation takes place in our hearts. We realize we sinned against the Holy God, we repent and we turn our life around and over to him. We stand up, we raise our hand as acknowledgement to to take a stand publicly. He says, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my father. And so these Gentiles were now believers and the spirit fell upon them. And I think it's important to point out when exactly the Spirit fell upon them. It wasn't when they were worshiping. It wasn't some emotional experience that was taking place. The Holy Spirit fell upon them when the teaching of the Word during His message, during the Word of God, the teaching. And that's why I'm so thankful for for Calvary Chapel. God's Spirit moves in the hearts of man, and God's Spirit falls upon people, and we get touched by God's Holy Spirit through the teaching of God's Word there's times we're just reading and listening in a devotion life and we just begin to to weave. i know you guys have experienced that god just begins to break and reveal things to us we're like oh my gosh wow and so that's why the top priority is the word of god that's what he holds of the utmost importance and so as the spirit fell the jewish believers that had came with them from joppa it says that they were amazed that god's spirit was poured out upon the gentiles now they had probably no doubt just even recently seen god's spirit being poured out upon people but not on gentiles like this and as we'll see um, next week in uh, chapter 11 you can read ahead when the news of this got back to jerusalem it kind of created major major issues but this was this was amazing that god was drawing gentiles to himself now the church had been going about eight years at this time and so there's gentiles and maybe even samaritans who were half half breed they had no doubt gotten born again and they were probably believers but this was the first time that they did it without having to obey the law without circumcision without any of these things without any change without having to become a jew this was just as they were as they are no distinction partiality god poured out his spirit now This miraculous event, like it says, it left them in awe and confused. They ultimately thought that the Gentiles would be reached through God setting up the kingdom of the nation of Israel. But Paul wrote, and we'll get into it very, very soon in Romans chapter 11, that through Israel's rejection, and them turning their back on God, the gospel went out to the Gentiles. And so, this is the beginning of that. Now, as we know, Israel's rejection of God, it's not final and it's not the end that he does not these are his chosen people. He didn't just turn his back on them. The time will come when he will pour out his spirit and draw them. When the church is raptured, he will draw them to himself. And we know that he's not done. We can read about that and we'll study a little bit in Acts chapter 15 in Romans and in other places. But they're in awe that God poured out his spirit upon them. And the evidence that God's Holy Spirit had fallen upon them was that they began to speak In tongues and they began to exalt God. And this experience looked exactly like it did on the day of Pentecost, where the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that was probably the biggest amazement. It wasn't necessarily that God loved Gentiles, or even that God saved the Gentiles, or that God poured out his spirit upon the Gentiles. They were in awe that God did all these things the same way that he did to the apostles, the Jews. They were blown away by this. But Peter, God had prepared his heart. He knew that God was doing something amazing. He wasn't worried about anything. He was just going with it and enjoying this new revelation that he had. He wasn't worried about them uh, keeping the law or being circumcised, any of those things. So he said, man, these guys are born again, evidenced by the Holy Spirit. And you guys want to be baptized? You guys want to get baptized? And they're baptized and he stayed there. Now this miraculous event of god bringing in the gentiles house. This wasn't a random event that just happened This was god's plan from the beginning We read about it in isaiah chapter 60. He spoke about it, but also god told father abraham that through his Through him that all nations and all people would be blessed Jesus in john chapter 10. He was talking about the When he was the shepherd that there would be other sheep from other fold who would come in this was god's plan They were just missing it They were blinded to it So we have this amazing, amazing story. We'll finish the rest on Sunday morning. I encourage you to to come on out. But in closing, let's pray and let's fast, looking for those breakthroughs, looking for those guidance and direction we need in our life, knowing that God hears. Also, just be reminded that lovers of people, loving all people will drive out any kind of partiality or prejudice at all. And let's search and share. Let's pray.